Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts Jalen, Amara, Geneva, and Frank. This week we are interviewing a veteran of both the Iditarod and Yukon Quest. Please welcome to the show, Seth Barnes. Hello Seth, how Record. are you? Yeah, oh yeah, we're recording it, you don't know that, huh? <laughs> it's going out to the world. <laughs> Alright, girls. <clears throat> Hello Seth, how are you? Oh, doing good today, how are you? Great. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Husky Talk. Before we start our interview with you, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Who was the first female champion for the Iditarod? I have an echo. I apologize. First female yes. champion? Yeah. Is that the question for Iditarod? Yes. Um, Libby Riddles, 85. Yeah, that's correct. What is the halfway checkpoint for the northern route? For the northern route? Yes. Halfway checkpoint. I've really never ran the official northern route. Um, just out of Ruby. Um, <laughs> uh... I cannot think of that. Between Ruby and Ofer, whatever that checkpoint is. Cripple. Cripple. That's the only checkpoint I've never been to. <laughs> <laughs> how many How many minutes apart do mushers start? Two. That's right. Yep. What was used for the very first finish line? Um, I think Dick put uh, red Kool-Aid, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> Who has the fastest finish time? It's the eight days, three hours. Great job. <laughs> I was uh, training his dogs that year. <laughs> <laughs> Good job on the trivia. You were four out of five. Now on to find a little bit more about you. First, can you tell us about yourself? What specifically would you like to know? Background. <laughs> what was that? Your background. Background. Um, I was raised in a small town in southern Alabama. Um, after moving away to college and then working a few places in the private sector, um, after graduating college, I moved to Washington, D.C. and worked for federal government um, for about five or six years, and then I decided that um, I, the city life wasn't for me, so I kind of went on a road trip that lasted nine months and ended up in Alaska, and um, so I moved up here permanently to race dogs and uh, to learn, not really race, just to learn about sled dogs and stuff, and I kind of tripped into racing, um, and then I tried to pursue a dream of um, competing in the Yukon Quest and the Ditterod, and here I am, about nine years later. Can you tell us what you did for the government? I worked for the Department of Commerce and uh, Intellectual Property, specifically patent and trademark. What brought you to Alaska from Alabama? Um, well, I was looking for something different. Um, I'd been working ever since graduating college and just 
was looking for more adventure instead of working five days a week and kind of enjoying life two days a week. I tried to find a way to to have more freedom in the outdoors and explore the world. We read in an interview that you accidentally got involved in running dogs. Talk to us about that story. Okay, um, yeah. Well, when I was traveling, um, a friend now, she I live down the road from her in Fairbanks. Uh, I bumped into her through a mutual friend, and she took me on a, just a little cart ride in the summer. You know, we got, went about maybe a half mile to a mile. And I really liked it, and she said, well, um, why don't you come back up in the winter? So that January, I came back up, flew into Fairbanks, had carry-on luggage. I was uh, in the South at the time when I flew out of Atlanta. And um, when I got here, I was freezing cold. I was miserable. And all I wanted to do is get back on the plane and go home. And then about two days, I think, from then, I stepped on my first dog team with a real sled, and I instantly was addicted. And from that, I just didn't want to leave. So after about two weeks up here, I canceled my flight to return home and found Karen Hendrickson and uh, helped her for the 2011 Iditarod and then started tour guiding and training dogs year-round. So just a two-week trip to Alaska turned into now eight or nine years uh, living up here. That's how it was an accident. We interviewed Karen earlier this year. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so we know you have completed in the U- competed in the Yukon Quest and are doing it this year. For our listeners, can you tell us what the Yukon Quest is? The Yukon Quest is the only other 1,000-mile race in uh, in the world, and it runs between Fairbanks and Whitehorse. So it's similar to the Diderods, but it's a different trail. It's also roughly a month ahead of the Diderod, so you're more in the winter, where the Diderod is ran near the um, the equinox mid-March. The uh, the Yukon Quest is ran, uh, I think, the second week of February. So it's a little colder. It's also uh, slightly further north, and it runs through some pretty different terrain. And in addition to that, it uh, crosses the international border, which is kind of unique crossing into Canada. Uh, you have to carry a passport on a dog sled race. Kind of weird. But um, it also is not doesn't have the fanfare nor the financial backing that Iditarod has and there's not as many participants so at times you feel like you're not even in a race you're more just on a big adventure um so they're, they're similar but at the same time they're different we have a lot of students that listen to our show can you explain how you were able to get puppies turned into sled dogs that run 1,000 miles well it is kind of really, really simple. Um, if anybody has ever had a Labrador or any kind of retrieving dog, um, you take a tennis ball and you throw it. And what do they do? They go pick it up. Now, the trick there is to train them to bring it back. Um, kind of the same thing with a sled dog. At uh, about nine months old to a year old, we put them in a harness and they go. From that point on, you just got to teach them that uh the direction they want to go 
So at first, they just want to go, they just want to run. That's all they want to do. So you teach them how to do it more efficiently and more effectively um, and hopefully go forward instead of left or right or turn around and go backwards or jump over or under a tree or whatever else. So um, basically, they naturally do it. And uh, a lot of people ask uh, what kind of dogs that we want. And I'll steal a Martin Boozer quote. I want a dog that wants to do nothing else in life but to run as fast as they can from willow to gnome. How many dogs do you currently have? I only have three dogs right now. They're all my inside pets. <laughs> How are you going to do the Yukon Quest with three dogs? Oh, I'm not doing the quest this year. Um, I took a year off from racing to uh, to get financially a little bit more stable. It's not a very lucrative sport. And um, so I took a year off and am going to attempt to rebuild and get back into it next year. We read that in 2017, I did ride your dog Deacon passed away on the trail. Can you tell us how you mentally were able to push through and finish that race? That was one of the toughest things I ever did in racing, um, to be honest with you. And without other mushers, veterinarians, and volunteers at the Ditterod, there's no way I could have. Um, I was, when it happened, I was less than two or three miles from um, Galena, and that was where I was 24-hour and taking my 24-hour break that year. And luckily, there was a lot of veterans there, like Jeff King and Dee Genre. Um, people who had been through this, Ed Filcher was there. Um, and so they helped me out. Um, another person that I'd been associated with in the past, Ray Reddington was there, helped me out. And they have been through similar things or close to that um, in training or just living life, losing, losing friends and stuff. So it was a way um, for them to, to help me and coach me and um, really picked me up because that was a very, a very dark day for me. We are sorry that happened to you. Thank you. How has mushing impacted your life? How has mushing impacted my life? It pretty much has totally changed my life. I went from wearing a suit and tie to work every day to living off the grid um, with no city water or anything like that, uh, living miles and miles away from any town, living outdoors in a very cold, cold environment um, most of the winter. So it basically turned it upside down for the good. Who or what inspires you to continue to run dogs? Who? I don't know if it was a who. Um trying to think i mean there's a lot of people that i look up to in the sport and have for many years but to actually do it just to be in nature and to be out in the the remote openness and to be able to see things that very few can see or have the ability to go do that and as far as racing to watch these dogs perform and to see them do what they truly love to do is all the inspiration I need. They're the athletes. I'm just the coach. 
The next part of our show we call lightning round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Ready? Not really, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) The Yukon Quest or Iditarod? Not going to answer that one. I like them both. (laughs) Favorite checkpoint? Who's Leah? Favorite movie? Gone with the Wind. (laughs) That's the oldest movie I could think of. Favorite song? Um... I don't know. I can't. I can't even think of a song right now. <laughs> Who is your favorite musher? Mmm. Mmm. Zeppelin. We are ask, asking all our guests this. Can you give us three people who you feel would be great guests on our show? Anybody that has to do with either or It just. Uh, it doesn't have to just be mushers. Um. Interesting people to interview for your show. Um, people like people who, on the top end of it, someone like Jeff King. If you've not interviewed him or Mitch Seavey, they're kind of hard people to get a hold of sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else that's interesting outside the box. Um, I tell you, if you can get a hold of him, Bill Cotter is a very interesting individual to talk to. He's an old-timer that ran and won the Yukon Quest, I believe, 88 or 87. He finished in the top five of the Ditterrad a few times. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody. Have you ever interviewed Wade Mars? Last year we did. Uh, Trying to think of somebody else. Rookies are a really good source of things because – a lot of them's dream is to reach it. So if you can reach out to a rookie and get a hold of them. I'm trying to think of one um, this year. I hadn't looked at the sign-up list very, very much. Um, Jeff Dieter, uh, he's got a guy that works for him that's a rookie. I can't think of his name right now. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, Seth, for taking your time out of your day to talk to us. Have a nice day. It was my pleasure. Thank you all, and thanks for following the Ditterrod and the Yukon Quest. Special thanks to our guest, Seth Barnes, for being on our show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stop by iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our ratings. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on the show, email, at, email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the I Did a Ride Trail song. And now enjoy a clip from our favorite song, Wait For It, from the Hamilton musical. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. I'm keeping the bed warm while her husband is away. On the British side in Georgia He's trying to keep the colonies in line Well, he can keep all of Georgia Theodosia, she's mine Love doesn't discriminate Between the sinners and the saints It takes and it takes and it takes And we keep loving anyway We laugh and we cry and we break And we make our mistakes And if there's a reason, I'm 
tried, but so many have tried. The 